Hey, everybody. Welcome to Multi Multi, the podcast where we talk about the multitude of multi-site student ministry. My name is Joe Crabb, and I am joined by one of my wonderful co-hosts, Mrs. Gina Abbas. Gina, how are you doing? Hey, doing great, Joe. Uh, it is good to, to have you with us today. Uh, EJ is not with us, uh, and Kim, as we've shared in prior episodes, um, is uh, is now a mother. Yes. So Kim, uh, Kim, and her husband Max welcome their sweet baby boy, Archer Joseph Woodward Schuler. Uh, back here in the beginning of August. And so we are so excited and thrilled for them as God continues to bless their family in such a way. And we're looking forward to having Kim back with us here in the near future. And we may or may not be on Zoom still. So we will we will wait and see. But we're excited for today's conversation. We've got a special guest with us today, Scott. Uh, he's over in Harbor Churches with Gina. Um, but before we share, uh, have Scott share a little bit more about himself, let me go ahead and share with you the heart and vision behind uh, Multi Multi. And that is, it is a podcast that is here to equip the churches who are entering into or who already have multi-site student ministry. Uh, and our hope is to be able to share with you guys what we've learned from all the mistakes we've made, uh, things by God's grace that we've been able to figure out and have other conversations with you guys and hear from what you're learning, what God has taught you so we may grow as well. Uh, and that's why I'm excited to have Scott, who is very much in the trenches with us when it comes to this beautiful expression of the church called multi-site. So Scott, welcome to the show, brother. Glad to have you with us here today. Thanks, Joe. Glad to be here. Scott, and uh, you have a, a bunch of distinct roles um, and opportunities for you to, to lead leaders and to lead your church. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about your specific campus and role at Harbor Churches, as well as uh, your role um, at Ministry Architects, and, and perhaps just a little bit more about Ministry Architects in, uh, in general for the listeners out there who might not be familiar with that great organization. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I, uh, I started at Harbor Churches like 13 years ago, and I started when we were just a single campus at a large church, and I was student ministries director there for a number of years. And I remember going through a season of, uh, boy, I don't know, is this what I want to keep doing? Is, you know, mm-hmm. they're cutting the budget or what's going to happen? And I was, at an inter- I was at an interview at another church, and I remember five minutes into the interview going, this would be a terrible job for anybody to take. I wow. wish I could help them do this better. And then I remembered this book I read called Sustainable Youth Ministry. And that in the back was this thing about these consultants that I thought maybe I should do that. That's and great. so that was like 10 years ago. And I've been a, a consultant with Ministry Architects. Um, yeah, for about 10 years. Uh, Mark DeVries is our founder. He wrote Sustainable Youth Ministry. He wrote Family-Based Youth Ministry. And I started doing consulting work around uh, student ministry stuff. Um, and then eventually young adult ministry stuff, Mark and I wrote a book together. Uh, and then I really helped develop them as a senior consultant around churchwide consultant, uh, work where now I kind of, that's where I spend most of my time when I consult is working with pastors and churches. Uh, really the idea is to say like, you probably feel stuck somewhere. We want to come in and help assess where you are, build you a blueprint to get you where you want to go and then walk alongside of you while you do it. So, um, I'm pretty passionate about that kind of work. 
Um, but yeah, I, since since that time, I've I've gotten far out of youth ministry in terms of uh, Harbor Churches. We became a multi-site church, and uh, mm-hmm. I planted our fourth campus five years ago now. The campus. Wow. Uh, we hired Gene as our student ministries director there. So I'm the lead pastor yeah. for that campus, and I also oversee all of the church multiplication work, planting new campuses, uh, training and equipping new pastors, and things like that. So. That is awesome. That's so encouraging to hear. And, and Scott, I'm excited for us to have this conversation today. And uh, because the role that you have really does give a unique vantage point when it comes to uh, you know management, management of yourself, management of teams and organizations, leading others uh, in a healthy way, uh, whether that is through you know those personal practices and disciplines or organizational structures and systems. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let Gina tee up the first question here. As you've said, you guys are yeah. on the same team. And so Gina, let's do it. Let's get this conversation going. Yeah, I've um when I work at the same campus as Scott. And one of the things that Scott's really well known for is um he just has really good systems and is really and really just insightful and in helping to develop leaders. Um, so I know in this I was reading this article um, that through this pandemic that older more like veteran leaders people have been around a little bit tend to have more practices and rhythms and relationships that just kind of sustain them younger mm-hmm. leaders struggle with that and this pandemic's been really hard i think for younger leaders when everything's just changed but i guess i wanted to start scott by asking you what in your life what practices and disciplines have you put in place uh, that just help you to have that healthy work home rhythm, um, especially through this pandemic where things have shifted a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I had a mentor who once said to me, when you are at work, be fully present there. So that when you're at home, you can be fully present there. Right. Mm, So that when you're at work, you can be fully present there. And never has that been less capable to do than like (laughs) in a season where your work at home is in the same place. True, true, true. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think I've, I would say, first of all, Gina, I've not been great at that here, you know, in the season, but I'm better now than I was at the beginning, obviously. But I found a couple of things that have been pretty helpful for me. Uh, One is realizing I need to like chain my meetings together. Uh, If I have like four Zoom calls in a day and there's an hour or two in between them, that's never going to go well. Right. So Mm -hmm. I like intentionally try to actually back them up a little bit closer together. Um, I don't have to travel to them. So it's easy to click from one thing to the next. Right. For sure. Um, but that's been one way I've, I've tried to do that. I also have locations for my work that I try to do. I have two chairs in my house that I work in and, uh, and I don't do anything else in those chairs. I only work in those chairs. Right. Uh, it's this one in my sunroom and then downstairs in the basement when it's hot out. But, um, I also have a strategy where it's like, if I have to do some, like heads down, like I got to write a sermon or I got to think of a strategy or build something new. Like I'll, I'll leave somewhere. I'll actually leave my house to go do it. Um, and good. I'll go to a park, you know, these days we, I, I'm in my office like a morning a week now, um, when there's nobody else around, but, um, I actually do find really good value of saying like, I've got to go to a place uh, in order to do that thing. And then I, and then when I'm done with that thing, I can leave. Hmm. I was gonna say the business, biggest interesting practice I've had is like, resist the urge to create new work, right? Mm. Like we've got so much anxiety about how do I feel about what I'm doing? How do I be successful? How do people know I'm successful? 
uh, and it's easy to let that anxiety go like, well, just stay busier, stay busier, stay busier. Uh, but as much as I want to do those things, I feel like I've tried to practice patience as a rhythm, you know, of like, I don't actually start my work until like nine o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock or whatever it is. I make sure I'm done at a certain time of the day and I resist the urge to go back and forth, uh, that sort of thing, you know, um, we had like about three weeks where I feel like everyone's like, engage the gift of Sabbath that God's given you in the season. And then we all went, yeah, yeah but what do I have to show for it? You know, and we get anxious <laughs> about creating and doing. And I'm like, I don't buy it, man. I just don't buy that. That's the way we got to function. So I try not to. Uh, that's all that is i love everything you shared and i appreciate you sharing things that were both practical uh as well as principal things there especially with that last point uh i, I have so much i could say about each one of those ones um you know as I, as I, I think and assess about yeah my my home and work setup and uh, building a healthy rhythm and i think it's so important important for us to, especially when you're in a new season of disruption where it's not as predictable, it's still very volatile in a lot of ways to be able to learn, you know, your, what your, yeah. what you need during those times. So that way you can better lead. And, uh, I think being able to lead yourself well, ultimately mm -hmm. allows you to lead others better. And so thank you. Thank you for those, those practical insights and tips there. Um, and, and like I said, you do lead teams and you're, you work at Harbor here with Gina and you guys got a great team there. So let me ask whether it's in this season or in general, sure. um, how have you led your staff team well? Or what do you feel like you might need to do different as you look to help them create the healthy rhythms that they need? Yeah, well, I would ask, I would ask Gina, what, do you, what have you heard me say the most over the last five months? What stands yeah. out to you? Oh, I actually wanted to answer this for you uh, today. I, this is so yeah, good. I, I love this dynamic. <laughs> uh, today, I'm like on my computer trying to get stuff done. We have like a new website launching, all of our fall updates, all this stuff. And then my youngest child is literally throwing herself on the floor in front of my computer. I'm so bored. I'm so bored. Can we please do something? And I'm like, I can't. I can't till like later this evening yeah. and it was just so hard and i'm like if i were at the office this wouldn't be happening she would know i was ignoring her um, <laughs> and i think what i've appreciated from scott and the other um is a lot of grace and a lot of like we know this is your reality right now and yeah. if, when you need to be a mom be a mom um that there's just a lot of grace and a lot of permission to do what you need to do so your family isn't suffering. And I think I've just appreciated that so much out of every staff meeting. I'm like, I'm so glad I work on this team because I know that's not the reality of a lot of youth workers. There's still a lot of pressure to perform, perform, perform in this season. And it's been rough, but Scott, what do you have to add? Yeah. Yeah. I do care about that a lot. Like I think, you know, we're people first and, this mm -hmm. is the kind of season where we have to give ourselves a ton more grace than we probably usually do. Um, but when I think about leading the team, I think, uh, I think what I'm doing in this season is similar to what I try to do in most seasons, but, uh, I, I often try to help name reality, right? Like mm. in part, like, like help my team understand what people are responding to, how people are feeling, you know, just to say we are here is really, really important. Because sometimes yeah. we can get in our head and imagine, you know, we're disconnected from the people we serve. And so we think they're somewhere they're not. 
or we're overly connected with some of the people we serve and we don't get a clearer picture of what actually might be true. So definitely, I often, I often feel like I'm trying to like remind us of where we are, where God has us now. Uh, and then also just establish clarity. I'm a huge, huge proponent of making things as clear as possible. So preach, both, preach. both what I need from you, like as a team leader and also what I don't need from you. I think Gina, you might remember like early on, like this is May probably, I was like, here's what I don't need you guys working on. I don't need you to create a bunch of this. I don't need you to do this. We need call the people on your team and have conversations. That's what Amen. I need, right? Um, so just kind of helping my team recognize and relate to what really, really matters. And I'm always reminding my team, like your job is always to equip other people. It's yeah. never to do this Amen. yourself. It is, that is your job. So Amen. naming where we are and trying to name where we're going, even if it's simply like, Hey, here's what's coming up in our weekend services this month. Cause there's so much information going on right now. Like for sure it changes yeah. so regularly that everyone tunes out and they get anxious because they feel like they're always missing stuff. And I'm just trying to lower our anxiety because we're better people when we're not anxious. Amen. That's good. That's good. I, it's funny, right before you hopped in the call, we were kind of talking about, um, communication, some of the miscommunication that's been going on and, uh, you know, that, that need for clarity. And I think there's always that built intention that we have. Uh, I know I have as a leader as well, because you love those that you work with, you believe the best about them. And it's not that anyone's really intentionally trying to you know, drop a ball or, or miscommunicate something or, or, you know, especially in an, a large organization where it can be yeah. complex um, in regards to communication and downlines and, you know, dotted reports. Oh yeah. Stuff, it's so. all over the place, man. I realize that if I'm, if somebody on my team has dropped a ball, it's usually my fault because my expectation wasn't clear. Uh, I thought it in my head and I didn't communicate it. So like, that's the thing I feel like I'm trying to do better as a team leader of like knowing where my, where my voice matters like mm. being careful how much I'm asking my team to do because I'm anxious, right? Or I'm visionary or I'm bored, all of which I've been <laughs> in the last few months, right? And yeah. so like I can put too much out there and cause your world to be really stressful. Uh, yeah. And I need to recalibrate what matters, but, um, you know, or I can put too little out there, right? Like my team is stressed out my, my and I need to help them establish what's what's true and help them focus. And I'm missing the opportunity to speak into. So, mm -hmm. you know, I wish I could be carrying everybody else's reality in my head, but usually it's just my own, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing I wish I did better, but. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to add, I know, um, Brene, Brene Brown's newest book, Dare to Lead. She talks about how clear is kind. Yeah. Um, and I think in this season, there is a lot, things shift so fast yeah. and you have to continue. I think what I've appreciated about Harbor Churches and Scott is just reminding us why we do what we do is to help people find their way back to God. Amen. And that's through discipleship. That's through relationships. Um, so we can sit behind our computers and write emails and policies and talk about all the things. Uh, but I've really appreciated about Scott. It's just, it's about relationships, pick up the phone and call people. And that's been Amen. just really, really helpful in this season when it's easy to just kind of feel overwhelmed and just hide behind that. I'm just going to figure out programming and wording and policies. Mm -hmm. And I think like people can, you can make an argument that, well, my kind of position or the size of my church or the shape of my organization 
is, you know, my job isn't necessarily about like, I'm all people all the time. You know, I don't relate very well to the guy who's the, the pastor with no other staff in a parish of a hundred people. Right. Like, yeah. but everybody's job is that if you're doing ministry, everybody's job comes down to that same person to person. How are we helping people follow Jesus? You know? Amen. That's good. Um, Gina, I know we had another question here about the specific role of like leading teams within Harbor uh, as well. And I, I think that Gina, you're the one who brought this up of like that balancing the role between um, your specific campus and as well as the responsibilities you have centrally. And even going off that same sentiment you just shared about it's it's the relationships that matter regardless of the size of your organization. Um, yeah. But you have relationships you need to focus on specifically as the expression of your your local campus and then to the organization at large as part of harbor so how do you how do you look to balance some of that yeah i mean i think first of all i don't think of my world as balancing two things right yeah, i don't know or, or yeah. three things if i've got the consulting hat on too right like yeah. i'm one person i've got one long set of responsibilities every week or every day right and yeah. some some of those responsibilities impact people on my campus. Some of them impact my team members at Harbor Churches. Uh, but I don't ever think of it as like two different things. I think of it as one job. I'm one person. And the key, therefore, is more about prioritizing when mm. and what what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. Because um, I think like balancing your schedule is kind of a falsehood. I think yeah. prioritizing your relate your your responsibilities is more about how it works. So um, that's really good. That's really good. I, I, I appreciate that. And I think it's good, especially when you're thinking through the trap that often pops up in multi-site of uh, kind of silo mentality. Sometimes that, that festers in, within departments itself, um, between campuses, it, departments at campuses. And so yeah. that idea <laughs> of seeing it as one, you know, one team, um, I think that's, that's so great. And uh, I love, you know, I love the role that you get to have with Ministry Architects. And I was just checking out the the website to um, just to learn more. And I love the line that that's out there on the on the Ministry Architects website that talks about how you guys are helping multi-site churches essentially create healthy systems that are both sustainable and innovative. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you to, to 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 gear your focus more towards the Ministry Architects, that consulting piece that you get blessed to do. And um, I'm just going to, I'm going to be honest, I'm just going to ask you to give some free broad-based <laughs> consulting advice to our listeners and just kind of share, you know, yeah. what are three things that maybe a multi-site church or department uh, need yeah. to be doing right now that will help them move towards being healthier? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the three things here is some of the things that I thought of when you asked me this question. Um, the first one that stands out to me most right now feels like if you are not clear on how you are making disciples, then your life is going to be really difficult as we move forward as the church, Mm, right? Churches tend to function in two ways, big and small, right? Mm. Corporately, relationally. And every single church in America has probably figured out how well they are at balancing that over the last few months. And it remains a challenge going forward. Um, Even though, like, even if you can have worship services again, what that means for your size and your numbers and that kind of measurement just doesn't, it's not even relevant anymore. Right. So yeah, uh, I would say that if you haven't figured out how you are clearly doing the smaller relational disciple making work at your church, that is the thing you need to be doing right now. Um, because that, 
That can happen with the three of us on a call. That can happen one-on-one in a person, but it, it's not going to happen if you don't have a clear strategy for how it's going to happen. Definitely. Um, you know, like our church, we use uh, multi, uh, mid-sized groups called missional communities, which are for families. We also have like smaller discipleship models. That's a thing we've been doing for five years. And when I look at how we're, we're launching seven new groups this fall, and when I look at how that is looking based on my work, what my worship attendance might look like, we'll have more people in the smaller groups than we will on Sunday morning. For sure. Uh, and that, and that does, that's not a failure, right? That's actually more successful. So, um, but if you don't have a strategy for that, if you're just hoping and wishing on that, uh, you're, you're going to get caught behind the eight ball pretty quick, I think, if you're not already. So I would encourage churches to be really clear about how are we doing disciple making in our church? Um, that's good. So that's number one. That's the second one, I think I would just say, and partly just because I care about this a lot, is get really clear about what it means to be part of this team, hmm. right? Like, what, what does it mean to be a healthy member of a healthy team? And so that means, like, how are you helping your team create schedules for health, right? Uh, yeah. Or or create values that you all share and that you all carry, that you all agree to. Uh, and that you all have clear outcomes that together as a team, all schedules, values, health, outcomes, all of those things are about this is what it means to be on our team. And things got, you know, I don't know who's gotten laid off. I don't know how jobs are going to be working in the future. But man, if we're not ruthless about the right people on the team, it's just going to slow you down when you need to be responsive, you know? you're going to find yourself fighting yourselves instead of like actually moving it forward. So I'd say get clear yeah. about what it means to be on this team. Um, and I think the one that I might be most passionate about these days, and we do a ton of work with this in uh, ministry architects with almost every church we work with. But I think churches need to think really intentionally about how do we create a wildly healthy and attractive volunteer culture at our church? That's good right? Churches is, are designed to be an equipping, sending, reproducing organism. From day one, that's the church, right? The healthiest yeah. churches do that really, really well. And that means you have to take volunteerism seriously as one of your highest priorities in your church, because that's where people grow. It's where people get equipped. It's where they fulfill calling. Like It, it is the continuation of the ministry from generation to generation. And if you're just like doing your best not to ask too much of people, or if you view volunteers as just like necessary evil to get the program to happen, you've probably got an unhealthy church, right? Yeah. So like that, that's huge. If you haven't, if you haven't made that like a number one priority of your, of your church, then uh, there's probably work to be done there and that. Hmm. The disciples good. team volunteers, those are the things I would say. When I, I want to jump in. Um, you hit volunteer culture. And for a lot of people during this time, there's just not been a lot of face-to-face -face time with volunteers. Like, are there any practical things you've seen on from churches or leaders that have led volunteers well through this time? Like, how are they, what are they doing to build a good volunteer culture in a, in a world where there's not the face-to-face -face coffee kind of thing happening as often? I actually think it's easier, right? Like, uh, hmm. you can do a, you can do a 10, five, 10 minute phone call and you can do five of those in the time it takes you for one face-to-face -face coffee. <laughs> so I think like True. the opportunity is there even more so, 
uh, people are a little less busy, so you, they pick up the phone, you know. But um, I think what I've seen, and 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 Gina, I think I've seen this in our team too. Is it's not the one staff person who's making all those calls, but it's this sort of idea of there's a team leader underneath me, and I'm calling my five team leaders and asking them to call their ten team members, right? So it's sort of like that builds a culture of not just we care about you and appreciate you but it builds a culture of volunteers own the leading of volunteers. Uh, and that I think is, we all wrap our arms around this and we're all in this thing together. So that's so good. I don't think there's any magic trick. Like there's not a event you throw on zoom and Oh, if we just did that, it would be great. It is yeah. the steady drumbeat of, I love you. How are you doing? How can I help? And if we do that with every volunteer on our team, you got a great culture. No, that's, I think that's just so, this, that's so key. Um, and, and I, all throughout this, I see, you know, obviously we have this, this theme of, of being healthy, um, as continuing to empower people as well. And yeah. I think that's also, I mean, that's, that's a healthy, the healthiest form of leadership, uh, of being able to, to empower people and not just delegating tasks to them, but, um, right, yeah. them. I, think, I think a part of that is encouraging them, um, you know, and, and so I, I, I love this. I feel like we've given the, the listener so much to um, to walk away with. Uh, and I thank you for that. And, um, you know, part of part of we're putting together the, you know, what we're going to talk about today is uh, you, know, you, you mentioned earlier you had the opportunity to write a book as part of the ministry architects team. And I'd be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to be able to at least share about that book, which is, it's called Sustainable Young Adult Ministry. Uh, yeah. And in, when Gina and I were talking a bit about this episode, uh, you know, she brought out that idea of, you know, look at this class of 2020. Um, and they ex experienced things in such a, a different way. Um, the loss of things, and we're even just seeing the ripple effect that they're still experiencing um, and that young adults are still experiencing. And I think that for those specifically in student ministries, we would also be, it wouldn't be wise for us to not think that our current seniors, like now the class of 2021, mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. also going to have a major disruption all throughout this upcoming year. So uh, putting yeah. that all together, I would love from that seat that you've sat in um, and being able to write that, that, that book, um, uh, just say what what wisdom or insight would you have for the student ministry person out there who need who, who is leading the the class of 2021 through another unprecedented school year? So I, <laughs> right, I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate any insight you have uh, for us there, and then we'll we'll put a bow on this, and we'll send everybody the direct Amazon link to purchase the book and all that stuff. So no, sure, I, yeah. I appreciate yeah, but love to hear your your wisdom and insight on that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, we wrote this book, honestly, it's been a number of years for us working on this book together. And I think it came out, you know, from the publisher last year and uh, didn't expect, obviously, what we have in 2020 happening. But I yeah. think it actually is really helpful for a post 2020 landscape. Because one of the things that we learned about young adult ministry is that we've got to get away from measuring success with young adults and college students by measuring their attendance, right? Yeah. It is killing us. It is the wrong way to think about ministry. 
It's keeping us from doing the work that actually will reach them. And right now, everybody is in that boat. Like Gina has done such a great job with our student ministry at Harbor Churches and going, you know what? Every kid needs a, needs a small community of people that they can, talk, they can hear about Jesus from. And it's not about the attendance and it's not about the youth group kind of size and shape of it. But um, it's just so clear that like this programmatic, how many can I get to show up to my thing and sit in rows, like approach that has been effective for like 20 years stopped being effective with young adults and college students 10 years ago and we yeah. keep trying to do it and so one of the things we do in, in in the book is to say you know what there are six things that we do all the time that are actually big giant mistakes when it comes wow. to working with college students uh, my favorite is we accept we expect the youth director to do it by slapping the and young adults after the director of youth title. <laughs> yeah, right? wow, that's really good because it's sadly really true. <laughs> it is, and what that tells yeah. me is we actually don't care enough about this demographic to invest the resources it requires to actually make an impact with them. And so we, we shortchange it. We try to do uh, a college version of our student ministry, which doesn't work. And then we give up really quickly when it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. But instead, like, I think the, I, I was just thinking about Alexa, who uh, I baptized Alexa when she was like 13. And now she's off at her freshman year of college. And she participated regularly in our church, not so much her senior year, but now she's off at college. And I'm thinking about when Alexa is 30 years old, what will be the connective tissue to the church? Not even yeah. my church, but the church, yeah. especially when people her age are looking at evangelical church right now and going, this is not a thing for me. No. Right? Yeah. And, and it is a lot more about in intergenerational relationships is the connective tissue. Uh, equipping and investing personally in them is connective tissue. Inviting, inviting them to lead the church alongside of me, that's the connective tissue, right? And a, yeah. and a commitment to sending them away instead of trying to get them to come to my thing. How can I set Alexa up to do some amazing things for the gospel on our college campus? Cause I know if she does that, she'll end up in a church and yeah. she'll be that church's number one young leader when, when she gets there, you know? Yeah. I, I love, I love what you, you shared and I'm excited to be able to check out this book and we're going to include it in the show notes for any of you guys who are, are interested in checking it out. Uh, but that, just that, that, that term alongside, I think the, the tension I've seen, especially with um, all of the conversations that express themselves via social media, when it comes to racial injustice and so on, is that you, you get, voices from young adults that they want to see see change and sadly oftentimes um they're met with this mindset or this approach whether you know you know intentionally or inadvertently by somebody that's just like yeah but young whippersnapper you just you just don't understand like you don't understand this or yeah you're just seeing it through a, a different lens or a different viewpoint and there yeah. might be some truth to that there might be a blind spot but at the same time for the, oh we got to get old, over that though yeah. yeah and and we we have to be humble from what we see and be humble from what we receive as well and say yeah. but let me hear your heart let me see i get why you're mad or upset about these things and yes 
how do we grow together? But how do we do to, it to, together? Right? Yeah. 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 I As have, opposed there's to a great, saying, come there's down. A, yeah. There's a great quote in the book of a story from um, somebody who was like uh, nominated to be part of the church council as an elder or something like that. And everybody agreed that this person was wise and had all the qualifications fit really, really well. But their biggest problem was they were so young. And so they mm. created a new position that was elder in training for this 35 year old, right? Uh, wow. Who had to be, and it's like you couldn't qualify to be the president of the United States in this country, but you can't lead in our churches until you're 50, right? Wow. Yeah. Like, and that That's a is problem. a problem. And yeah. We have to be people who will get out of our chairs quicker. Uh, get out. There's a story, and I think it's, it's numbers eight, I think. Uh, where God is giving the instructions on the priests and how you're supposed to lead. And basically it says, when you get to the age of 50, you're done. And you actually have to make room for your younger brothers and sisters. You can lead from the age of like 25 to 50. And then it explicitly says, bring your younger brothers along to lead in the temple. And boy, we don't do that as the church. We don't listen to that, right? Well, you know, and and you're right. Numbers eight, verse twenty-five. At the age of fifty, they must retire from their regular service right. and work no longer. That is good. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. But it's the Stop. age of fifty where we get the most anxious and not, and hold on to our leadership positions tighter. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. killing. It's killing the handoff to the next generation. Yeah. And I think it's because uh, sadly at times we do, we get defined so much by that which we hold. And so we hold on to things that we need to let go of a while ago. Um, But, and there's not to say there's there's not wisdom in there for anyone who's listening and saying, Hey, I'm I'm 51, buddy. Come alongside (laughs) of your younger brother. We need that 50 year old wisdom, right? Yeah. Yeah, We still need you to lead. It just, I get where you're the heart of it. It's just, it needs to look different. So, um, Scott, you've given us so much, and I can't thank you enough for your time today, uh, the work that you're doing for the kingdom, both through Harbor Churches, through Ministry Architects, and just through your faithful following of the Lord. And so I, I thank you for, for all that you're doing, and I would love to give people an opportunity to connect with you all the more. So you just share with us sure. briefly, whether it's socials or a website, anything like that, where can people best find and connect with you? Uh, yeah, you can find us, uh, you know, you can go to ministryarchitects.com and, you know, our staff page is there and you can find me there through Ministry Architects if you're looking for some consulting things or, or, or stuff like that. Or you can Harbor Church's website, harborchurches.org. Uh, and I'm under the Jamestown staff for sure. Otherwise, you can just reach me at scott.pontier, P-O-N-T-I-E-R, at harborchurches.org and you can just email me. I'm not on Facebook, so you can't find me there. Um I'm not really on Twitter. I'm not, I don't do much social media, so don't even bother, but just email me. No worries. No worries. And we'll, we'll make sure obviously be tagging you in what we post about this episode as well. And again, including all those links in our show notes and so on. Um, and so Scott, thank you so much for being a part of the conversation today. And thanks for, for having me. This is fun. Oh, of course. Yeah. Gina, yeah. Gina, you've got a great boss. I do. He's the best. Uh, we actually really started, do. we started this episode right before it. He's like, Hey, I text your, he texts my son who just went to college. Yeah. He's the real deal. And I hear it all the time from my family. Everyone loves Scott. So thanks for your time, Scott. We appreciate it. Well, I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're buying the hype at this point. So <laughs> <thank you. laughs>
Well, I love it, you know, and I, Gina, I appreciate you, you sharing that because I, I love, because it goes back to the very heart of what we were sharing so much about that personal connection, those relationships and everything. And so, Scott, knowing that you're a man who practices what he preaches and encourages others to do so, um, makes this, uh, this episode all the more valuable for us and for those who are listening. And so, thank you guys. Multi, multi, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you guys. And until next time, bye. See ya.